You are listening to Get Real Podcast. getting a little cozier here in the fishbowl yes absolutely <laughs> we've got today a special guest in here with us and we actually made room in here we've got my son simeon he is back from being overseas doing some stuff for his country simeon how you doing man oh, i'm not so bad how about y'all doing good good, good to, to have, have you back yeah yeah good to have you back here and we have though you don't see him my son steven who is working on engineering everything that we've got going on here but it is still 2020 shock it's october 2020 the date today is october 11th we still have a few more weeks of this crazy year to go and it is still crazy out there i've got some news headlines that i want to go over and we're going to talk about so here we go headline number one this comes from bbc news and it was on 2 september 2020 the fbi is investigating reports that a guy in a jetpack was seen by pilots flying near los angeles lax airport nearby when planes were landing The incident, which was recorded by air traffic controllers, happened on Sunday evening and was witnessed by pilots on two separate planes. The apparent culprit was seen flying at an elevation of, guess how many feet? 30,000? 3,000 feet. Oh, 3,000. 3,000 feet in a jetpack. Wow. Simeon, did you know that we could do that at 3,000 feet? I didn't know they went above 40 feet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you see them on YouTube, just kind of. Yeah, you do. I I had no idea that we had anything at 3,000 feet. Here's a uh, transcript of the tower transmission. Tower, American 1997. We just passed a guy in a (laughs) jetpack. The pilot of the airline's flight 1997 from Philadelphia told officials in the control tower as he approached LAX around 1830 local time. Funny, man. You know, that's got to be kind of a monotonous job so that you're doing air traffic control and all the like jargon, you know, and then every once in a while there's like, yeah, there's a uh, Frosty the Snowman on, on your 12, you know, just something <laughs> wild happens and it, it brightens everybody's day, but a jetpack <laughs> at 3000 feet. Now, not only were there one of them sighted, but there were two at 3000 feet sighted. Do they think it was like billionaire horseplay or something nefarious? I have no idea. There has been no follow-up. They really haven't been able to find the guy. I've seen some follow-up that the FBI kind of pinpointed where this guy was at or these two guys, were at, but they but they can't find him. So here is the $64,000 question. Simeon, where you been? Simeon, <laughs> okay. Yeah, what were you doing yeah. on the night, uh, the have Sunday any- night before September 2nd? <laughs> have any hobbies, eh, buddy? Stay in 3K and below. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the $64,000 question. How many Taco Bell chorizo gorditas would Simeon need to eat to achieve 3,000 feet? <laughs> I'd probably say about one for every 1,000 feet. Strange things in the skies. 
And I was wondering yesterday if this was what Jesus was talking about in Luke 21, 11, when he said to his disciples about the signs of his coming, that there would be fearful sights and great signs from the heavens. Was Jesus seeing two guys at 3,000 feet <laughs> in a jetpack at that time? So, I mean, do you think, do you think that's what uh, that was about? I think that's referring more to what occurs in nature and not so much by what man does himself. Well, you know what? On my 40th birthday, we have a friend in common, Mike, and uh, he wanted to kind of surprise me, so he rented a Star Wars uh, Chewbacca yes. full-fledged outfit. And he got on a moped, borrowed a friend's moped, and he knew that I drove a convertible home that day. And in the morning, my daughter was coming with me to work, and I was driving a convertible. So he got on a moped and was trying to go fast enough, just Chewbacca flying by on a moped to wave at me. But the moped was too slow. He gets pulled over by the cops. And all of the Charleston cops like that were on that radio station in that precinct area, <laughs> they got to hear him go, yeah, we've got Chewbacca on a 107. I mean, I don't know any of the, the numbers, but it's pretty funny. Yeah, so, I mean, I think you're probably right about the things in nature. And we do in October have several things in nature that are going to be showing us some signs from heaven that God is at work. But one of these, uh, NASA weighs in again, Dan. Mm. I'll, I'll refrain. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, we, we might not need to. And I want to get Simeon's take on this as well. So this was posted on September 23rd, 2020. Came from CNN. Okay. Need, need I say more? <laughs> Glenn, you have a talent for sources. What was it? The New York Times, CNN. And BBC. And, uh, and BBC, and, you, you know, it's kind of sad that we have to go get our news from BBC a lot of times. They're, but uh, still, I don't trust any of them. But this is very interesting. This is what it says. Mini moon is on track to enter Earth's orbit and come as close as 27,000 miles away. However, rather than some asteroid that will orbit the Earth, it may actually just be some old space junk that made its way back to our planet. A director of NASA's Center for Near-Earth Object Studies believes that the object, named Asteroid 2020SO, is an old booster rocket from the 1960s. Now, guys, Dan, Simeon, you're going to have to help me out with this one here. When I read this, I don't quite buy this. I get stopped with NASA. I'm not full-fledged tinfoil hat all the time, but it's, I don't know, Cold War propaganda. I don't know. I don't know what's real that they tell us. How are we going to see a rocket booster? I don't think you can. I don't think it's, I don't think it's possible. Simeon, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? Well... For one, if you think about it, there's more space debris orbiting the Earth. How much of that do you see? Really, I don't think I see much of it. And I'm pretty sure some of those pieces are probably larger than a booster engine. And what did what did Obi-Wan Kenobi say in the fourth episode of Star Wars? That's no moon, that's a space station. <laughs> yeah that's that's very well put that's no moon that's a space it's the death star i've come to the conclusion that it's that's the death it. star it's yeah. got to be the death star but think about this there's always been things that have been entering our orbit new stars different things possibly maybe some different planets that have not been stated because you go back and you take a look at what was it that the magi were following was it space junk I can see them going to King Herod, all right? Hey, Herod, uh, no, that's no star. That's just space junk up there. It was like Elisha in a jetpack. 
<laughs> yeah, there there we go. So that we're going to start seeing that second moon come November. And we'll see we'll see how that goes. Now, the next thing that I find very interesting and this is kind of what I want to dwell on today is we're going to have two full moons in the month of Rocktober. Hmm. Two full moons. And the second the second moon during the month of October or the second moon during any month is always referred to as a blue moon. You've all heard that saying, oh, you know, once okay. in a blue moon, right? Simeon, you you you've heard that once in a blue moon? Once or twice. Yeah, it means something that rarely happens. It's a very uh, rare occasion that things happen. So this came from our own Channel 4 in Charleston. Go ahead, Dan. How rare is it? Like, is it something every 10 years, 20 years, 2 years? They occur every 32 months. Okay. So it's rare. Yeah, but not like... Not like... But what's going to be happening with this blue moon this month of October is going to be very rare. Because the blue moon that we're going to have is going to be on Halloween. Weird. Isn't that weird? And what makes that very unusual is the last time that a blue moon was seen across every time zone in the United States on Halloween was in 1944. So, God is sending us a sign. Simeon, you're a history buff. What was going on in 1944? I was bringing about the end of World War II with Germany around that timeline, pretty soon after with Japan. Exactly. We were at war, and we were at war in 1944 with fascism. Dan, what are we at war with right now? <laughs> yeah. We're at war with fascism. Really? I yeah. mean, it sounds like they scream about fascism. I don't know where it is. <laughs> fascism Fascism is the way of the serpent. Huh. Fascism is the way of the devil. Fascism is what ushers in the Antichrist and what the Antichrist thrives on. Now, something that I've been looking at, and I'm going to have to do a little bit more research on this because I'm not exactly sure, but it kind of makes sense to me. A lot of times we've looked at the book of Revelation as the last chapter of the Bible. Mm-hmm. But you have to remember it's a book. It was a book in and of itself. So when you look at the time frame of things, where it talks about the dragon that took one third of the stars out of the heaven and it talks about the woman that bore the child, well, that's the gospel story. That's the story of the fall of Satan and the gospel story. That We know that's all happened in the past. That is not going to happen in the future. Hmm. So when you take a look at the book of Revelation, it is very likely, and I'm going to do some more research on this for everybody, it is very likely that the first beast, because there's two beasts, it's very likely that the first beast rose out of the fascist Nazi Germany as Adolf Hitler. Hmm. And that the second beast is probably rearing its head. So when you take a look at the sign that God is giving us of the second full moon in October, on October 31st, I think God is showing us that, you know, in 1944, he was saying, hey, I am God, and I am going to triumph over fascism. I am going to triumph over the beast. Hmm. I think what he's saying, Simeon, is that he is going to triumph over fascism again, that he is going to do that again right now at this point in time. Simeon, what are your thoughts on that? If you look at the people who are crying that continuously, well, what were we talking about earlier? Is they, It's a very unique group of people because they're typically not decent human beings. They're the kind of people who are just looking for something to do in their life so they can 
have some sort of motivation to be able to sleep at night is the best way I can put it. And they are the ones spewing the fascism them, themselves. Uh, they're burning books. They beat anybody who doesn't agree with them, regardless of what they do. And they have control over all the major media outlets. So if it could be put in any way, they're also the ones breeding all the spiritual degradation. And I think the church has allowed them to do that by pushing them in the wrong direction with too much legalism and too much acceptance of their philosophies. Because what does the Bible say about raising a child? Train them up in the way that they should go, not the way that you want them to go. When new believers are still coming in, they are spiritual babies. So when somebody's coming in around my age into the church, and the pastor is bowing down to whatever you want to believe so that you don't have any confrontation in your spiritual life, well, that's the same thing. It's not raising the child in the way it should go. And so now, instead of having the strict guiding shepherd, to guide you along to the meadows where you're supposed to graze. You're going out into the wilderness, into places where you shouldn't be, where the wolves can prey upon you, so to speak. That's good. That's really good. That's that's deep. Really, I believe that the fascist spirit or the spirit of Antichrist is what you're explaining there has taken over the church. And it, well, I think there's a good point there, too, because the fascists right now are actually the ones screaming against fascism. That's what, yes. what is labeled fascism is like, no, <laughs> what the people that are screaming it, what he said, that's what they're actually doing. They'll bash you if you don't agree with everything they want, you know. Some... And that's why I said it's the way of the serpent, hmm. because the serpent twists. It's serpentine. Oh, weird. all right, and it will choke you. It will choke you if you speak against it. It will choke you, hmm. but nobody really knows its ways because it's very cunning. Remember, the serpent is very cunning. That's a good point. So I think what God is showing us, and when you take a look, I'm going to break it down to the numbers, people. I knew that you thought this was going to be coming because I got to break it down to the numbers and the, and the gematria and the Hebrew of what's going on with this blue moon. And we're going to tie it into Halloween because I think we've kind of missed the boat on Halloween by throwing the baby out with the bathwash. And I want to get to that in, in just a second here. But when you take a look at the numbers, number 13, all right, we talked about this in our last edition that number 13 represents sin and rebellion. But there's also with every Hebrew number and every Hebrew letter, there's a negative side. We talk about the negative side, but there's also a positive side. Number 13 also represents the word one. As in the Shema, in the book of Deuteronomy, Hero Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. Because what happens, that one, that 13, when you take a look at the letters that compose the word echad, which means one in Hebrew, they all add up to the number 13. Now, where it gets even more interesting is take a look at the numbers. You have uh, the 13th moon of the year, okay, which they're only supposed to have 12. You have 13, and that number represents one on the 31st, which is a perversion of 13 or a reversal of 13 on the 31st it's a mirror image of it and what becomes very interesting about that when you see the moon the moons are always a sign for israel the sun for us the gentiles and the moon for israel and when you see signs in the moon it's for israel so when we see that moon the 13th god is saying i am the one god hmm. i am going to have victory over what's coming uh, I really believe, and we've talked about this on the podcast, and you know, Cindy and I, we talked about it on the phone, and, and several other people that we work with, they believe that you know, it's going to get rough in the next couple weeks, next couple months. 
But God is bringing that. It, it is no surprise that we are going to see this 13th moon, which represents the oneness of God, the one true God, arise before the elections and the chaos that's going to ensue after that. He's sending that as a reminder to us. Now, a blue moon is not really blue. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So what are they called a blue moon? That's Glenn. a really good question. Glenn, I have a question. <laughs> no, and I, it's really yeah. not a setup because I don't know. I don't so. know either. Simeon, oh. do you know anything about why they might call it a blue moon? Is that anything to do with the harvest seasons? Yeah, it, that does that does tie in there. I really was not able to find anything at all that would tell me why they would call it blue. Now, every once in a while, every once in a blue moon, this is the only thing that I could get, guys. Every once in a blue moon, the blue the moon will appear to be blue because of ash from smoke and volcanic activity in the air. So it'll appear to have that tint, but a blue moon has nothing to do with that. But it is by design that it is referred to as a blue moon because blue in scripture is representative of intimacy with Christ and a revelation, a new revelation, a deeper revelation that flows out of that intimacy. And I really believe that's where we're all at right now is having a deeper, more intimate relationship with Jesus at this time. I wonder why blue. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That is one of those questions that I am going to have to ask the Lord when we uh, when we get there is why. About intimacy with Christ. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Very, very interesting. But Simeon, you're right. It does tie into the harvest seasons. And October is the month of harvest seasons. And when you take a look at the number 13 for 13th moon, well, there's another way you can do the numerology on it. You can look at it as just straight old number 13, or you can do it three plus one or one plus three, either way on the 31st of October and three plus one sports fans. Okay. Let's test your maths. I mean, what is three plus one equal or one plus three? Five. It equals four. And four, as we talked about in an earlier podcast, is representative of the earth. It's representative of the earth because we have four seasons. The fourth season is the one that is the last and the final. We have the four winds. We have the four corners of the earth. That'd be a whole nother podcast Mm -hmm. in itself. But that's what it represents is it represents the earth and what the earth brings forth. So what the earth brings forth is a... Simeon, you said it has to do with a harvest season, harvest season. Okay. And Neil Young wrote a great song about the first full moon in October called Harvest Moon. Remember that one, Dan? Mm -hmm. So the first full moon of October is the harvest moon. Uh, We know based upon the Hebrew calendar that every month begins with a crescent moon And then you have the full moon in October, which represents completion, or the full moon at the end of every month, which represents the end of the month. So months begin with a crescent moon, and then the completion, the final moon, representing finality and completion, is the full moon. And in October, it's referred to as the harvest moon because before electricity was invented, the farmers had to harvest their crops in the darkness. And the only light that they had was from the full moon or the harvest moon of October. So that's why it's called a harvest moon. But here's what's interesting about the final harvest of the year. 
is that it was the most bountiful and plentiful. So the harvesting that occurred at the end was in the darkness of night was the most plentiful. Hmm. So what does scripture tell us about the final harvest? Interesting. Okay. When you take a look at Isaiah chapter 60, verses one through two, you get arise, shine for thy light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee for the darkness has covered the earth and the gross darkness, the people. So we have two layers of darkness in Isaiah chapter 60, verses one through two. Reminds me of a TV show. I'm not sure. Yeah, we did a show called Arise and Shine. As a matter of fact, the first edition that we did of it, I still have it on videotape. You can hear this guy that's on camera right now crying in the background because he was born just a month before we started oh, filming my that. <laughs> so total, total blast from the past. So what God is showing us with this full moon, both the harvest moon and the blue moon in October, he's showing us that he is the Lord of the harvest and that the greatest harvest is going to be in the darkness Mm. when absolute chaos is going on. And I believe that's where we're going right now when we see these signs in the heavens. God is showing us very specific things at this time. I wish I could disagree, and I totally do agree with you that we're we're going into darkness, and that resonates that... um, a lot of people will be uh, saved. Yeah. You know, there will be a big harvest. Big harvest. Mm. So what I want to do is let's talk about Halloween. Why Halloween? Why is God showing us this blue moon on the night of Halloween? Simeon, I'm going to toss it over to you. Do you have any thoughts on that? There are no right or wrong answers to this. I just want to see what you have to say about this. Why do you think God is showing this on Halloween? If you think about it, it's the one socially acceptable, openly known to be pagan holiday on the calendar that is not totally associated these days with witchcraft, as it probably was in the past. Um, it being in the past a church holiday known as All Hallows Eve, born out of legalism, and I believe the Catholic Church sometime around the 13th or 14th century, and then it became a more twisted version I think as America started to get along, or it was sometime shortly after the creation of the holiday where it became a more joyful thing and more of a celebration and less of a solemn reminder of one's sins in the year approaching the harvest month when the most bountiful harvest would come, which would make sense for the remembering of all one's sins during the year and the great cleansing to come. Simeon? Though you did not, I did not give you the script before we got in here or any of the notes. He hit upon a lot of the things that I wanted to talk <laughs> just about. Keep the camera over just, here. You're just going to keep the that. camera over on Simeon and do that. Yes, yeah, Simeon, you were correct. Hey, speaking of yeah. twisted, you're not going as the sexy nurse again. Not. This <laughs> no, I'm going to do the whole rollerblade thing. <laughs> I'm going to do something even scarier. I'm going to go without a mask this year. How about that one for size? You know. <laughs> I have to bust his chops. <laughs> we're gonna. We're we're going to do it that way. But Simeon, you're right. Um, Halloween really means All Hallows Eve. And hallow means to make sacred or make holy. And we see that in Scripture when Jesus teaches us how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And it was Pope Gregory number 3 that consecrated that night as the night before All Saints Day. November 1st is All Saints Day. And that is the celebration. And this is before 
I don't think anybody celebrates that. Anymore. They don't. They don't. They really don't. I did growing up in the Episcopal Church. Really? Yes, we celebrated that, and it was a big. And my sister looks forward to All Saints Day every year. Cool. So All Saints Day is a celebration of the of those who were faithful and martyred for their faith. Wow. It was a celebration of the martyrs. So Pope Gregory, what he did is he decided to celebrate All Hallows' Eve. What they would do is they would fast and pray. They would. It had nothing to do with stuffing your face full of baby Ruth bars and, and, and Skittles. Skittles. Nerds. <laughs> and getting all hopped up on, uh, on chocolate and candy. It had nothing to do with stuffing your face with that. So let's hop aboard the Logotron. And find the logos. You want to hop aboard the Logotron, guys? You want to do that, Simi? You ready for a ride on the Logotron? Choo-choo. <laughs> okay. You should have worked at the fair. Guys. I should have. Boys and girls, strap on, because we're going to take a wild light ride on the, the Logotron. Logotron. It's got those like greatest disco hits. Like Soul Train, that train yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, man. No, that thing's fun, I love man. that thing, then man. Then they go backwards. I get a little sick. At yeah. That. So we've learned... When we first started this podcast and exploring the world world of heavy metal music, that Satan often takes something that is very beautiful and perverts it and makes it the darkest thing because he's very angry about it. There's something very special about it to God. And all of those things that are most special to God, Satan makes the darkest. Mm-hmm. So how does this have to do with, what does this have to do with Halloween? Well, let's, Simeon, over to you real quick. The church. What's your perception of how the church has handled Halloween before in the past? These days, they know they can't get rid of it, so they just twist it into their friendly version, which they seem to be doing with just about everything. So instead of laying a rod down, not to divulge too much into legalism, but I think out of fear of legalism, it's become too lax. There's too much acceptance of certain things. And so now it's just a, it's a fun twist where kids go around in the church parking lot, they go to back of pickup trucks, and they get their candy, and somebody's singing praise and worship songs somewhere, and there's hay bales, and they, they call it a night. So basically what you're saying is that we've adopted, we've tried to adopt the world's view of it. I think the church gave up the spiritual fight a long time ago. Yeah. And there is a spiritual fight behind this because when you take a look at the original roots of Halloween and where it came from, it will blow your mind. Halloween was really originally a holiday celebrated by the Celts known as Samhain. Now, it's written like Sam Hain. Hey, man, let's go celebrate Sam Hain today, Dan. Okay, you know. It used to be an expression. What, the Sam Hill or Sam Hain? Sam Hain, yes. It was a celebration of that. Well, what was so in a celebration of? It was a celebration of two things. And it ties into what this guy over here was saying. And I did not give him the notes before we started today. All right. It's a celebration of the final harvest. That's what the Celts were celebrating. The final great harvest of the year before they pass from life, the life of summer to the death of winter. Hmm. But the Celts also believed something else happened on that holiday. And this is where the costumes come in and this is very interesting the celts believe that the barrier there's an invisible barrier that separates the physical world from the spiritual world and that on the 31st of october that that barrier became thinner 
and that the dead would return. So what they did is to hide themselves from the dead is they would dress up in costumes. Now, just imagine if that guy that you cheated in, you know, trading barley with died and came back and wanted to get you. Okay, so that's why they that's why they hid because they were afraid of what the dead would do to them when they returned. Interesting. So you're looking at a celebration. Okay, here's the Logatron people. I'm going to try to connect the dots here. The Logatron, great harvest, return of the dead. And we know that the Celts, when we look at Celtic culture, Celtic literature, Celtic music, there's so much logos that's just packed in. I'm just fascinated by what the Celts had. And in studying the Celts, I don't know if you knew this or you knew this. I didn't know this. So you can be like, Glenn, we knew this all along. The Celts were referred to by the Romans as barbarians. Now, not that the Celts really were barbarians, but the Romans just didn't like them. But they did adopt a lot of the things that the Celts had. They thought of them as really cool, weird people. Mm -hmm. right? And it was Julius Caesar. It was Julius Caesar that... Um, started to persecute and go to conquer the, the Celts. Well, in Roman, they would refer to the Celts as the Galli. The people of the salt. The people of the salt. Yes, the Galli. And Golly G. Golly G. <laughs> My producer over there was just telling us we need to wrap up. We're gonna we're almost done, so we're gonna hold on to here. We're gonna talk about the Galli. We're, we're good on time right now. But the Galli uh, there were certain Gali that uh, settled in Turkey. Hmm. Do you know who they became? There's a whole book of, to them, a whole epistle to them in the scripture. They became the Galatians. Huh. So the fired up Galatian church were redeemed Celts. Huh. All that logos when Paul preached the gospel to them and the gospel went out, they're like, oh, wow, we understand harvest. We understand return of the dead, i.e. resurrection of the dead. We understand that. So that's who they became. So when you take a look at it, when you take a look at harvest, and I want to I want to pull this up out of the, out of the notes here. Man, we just covered like 12 pages of notes. I want to go back to that spin the the thin spiritual barrier mm -hmm. between the heavens and the earth. Well, we know that that barrier is thin because in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 14 and Isaiah 34-4, it says that and the heaven departed as a scroll when it was rolled together. It's thin. And uh Isaiah 34-4 it says and the host of heaven shall be dissolved and the heavens shall be rolled together as a as a scroll. And at that time of the Lord's return, when what it speaks of in Isaiah in the book of Revelation is that dissipation of that barrier between the spiritual and the physical. And we know that when the Lord returns for the uh, millennial reign, when David reigns, that that barrier is going to be gone. Wow. There will be a new heaven and a new earth at that time. So that barrier is gone. So the Celts were correct. There is going to be a thinning of the barrier. Uh, the return of the dead. Yeah, John writes about this in his gospel. All right. It says, marvel not at this for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of dam basically of, of damnation is, is what it says right there. So you have that right there, uh, what it says about the return of the dead. And it also says in the scripture that at the last trump, the last trumpet, the angels will gather all of the elect from the how many corners of the earth? 
from the four corners of the earth, three plus one, 13, 31, mm-hmm. three plus one. So what you're looking at is I believe, and you can agree with me, you can disagree with me, our listeners can agree, disagree, they can email us and we can discuss this further. I believe that what Halloween or Sowen was originally intended to celebrate from lo- scattered shards of logos was that the day that the Lord will return of that great harvest in the end times. Interesting. I really think mm-hmm. that. Simeon, your thoughts on that? Does that resound in you? I'd buy that. You buy that? <laughs> well, I think it's it's really interesting to me that there is a lot to fear and how these Celts, they're looking at the sky clock, they're fascinated by the solstices, by the, the moons, all the different things that God made. And like what you were talking about, Satan didn't create anything. All he can do is pervert. So that order was there to reflect God's doings, God's order, God's arrangement, all of it. So to misinterpret it was natural, but at least there's that that inner uh, drawing towards dread, right? The dread of the dead or the rising of the dead or anything from the other side terrifies our socks off. I don't know if Celts wore socks for a fact. That's a good question. I don't, but we'll do a deep dive on we that. We will. Did Celts wear socks? <laughs> <laughs> no, but think about it. It's amazing to me because God was doing things in them, and then eventually the gospel came to the Celts. And then the Celts migrated. They went from the salt mines. I know a lot about the Celts thanks to Dan Carlin with hardcore history. I love that. <laughs> right. It's a good one about the Celts. And he talked about how the Romans were fascinated. They were kind of like rock and roll, punk rock, biker gang. Like they were tough. They were wild. They were scary. Their women could fight. Um, They had very pale skin and light hair, either red hair or blonde hair. And then they had all this blue paint, kind of like on the movies. And, excuse me, they were known to be fierce warriors and they could be almost fighting with nothing on when it's freezing cold outside. And a lot of where they got a lot of their vigor from was salt. Salt is a very important nutrient. And this whole book that I read about um, salt was, uh, it talked about a time when it was as important or more important than oil is now. And wow. so it's weird to think of the the value system of a whole planet being that different. Yes. But salt was like, it was like refrigeration. It was a preservative. It also, if you've ever gotten dehydrated, and you start feeling the lethargy involved with not having enough salts in you, I think whole cultures were like that, and they found salt, and they felt invigorated. So words like salacious, um, salary, uh, almost anything with a sal in it, salud, health, um, almost anything that you could think of, especially with a Latin root, is going to be a derivative of the understanding of how important salt was. So yeah. a little nerdery. Yeah. But that's, that's Dan, interesting. That was, Dan, you're worth your salt. Uh, Thanks, Glenn. You know, we're worth your weight in salt for that. Thank you very, thank you very much. (laughs) So, Simeon, going back to what you were saying, is what's happened, I believe, with the church is we've kind of missed the boat with how we should look at Halloween instead of hey, let's let's turn this back into a Christian holiday and try to try to world it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Let's let's have the hay bales and let's do all that and yeah, you know, do trunk or treat while everybody comes to church dressed as witches and goblins. That just that just doesn't fly. But let's do the deep dive and not be afraid of it. Where did this come from and, and why is this showing us what it's showing? What is God showing us at this time? And think about this. We just got done with several of the most high Jewish holidays in the month of September moving into October. And each of those represents 
the unfolding of the return of Christ from the beginning of the tribulation to the great tribulation to his return and the millennial reign. So it makes sense that when you take a look just at the sky clock and the calendars that the 31st of October would represent, would typify the resurrection of the dead and the harvest of the resurrection of the dead by the angels from the four corners, bringing all of the elect together to stand before God in judgment. Wow. Just think about that for a yeah, minute. Yeah, that's heavy. You know, so I think, I think that we've really missed it, but you know, 2020 is whack. It's crazy. Not since 1944 have we had two, two uh, a, a, a blue moon on Halloween. Hmm. Not since 1944 when we were fighting fascism to begin with. Simeon, do you have any closing thoughts for us today? If you think about the showing of the two blue moons, if that's to be a sign of the final harvest and the absolute power of God, it comes in two, so there's no doubt. It comes on Halloween... And he said in the book of Revelation, he would shake the four corners of the earth. And if you think about how the devil would probably view Halloween, is that that is a, a spot for him. That is his secure base and stronghold. What a reminder of who's in charge. And then to come on that day and kick in the door like Macho Man Randy Savage and go, yeah, this is, don't forget, bud, I, I pay the rent here and I keep the lights on. Your your time's coming up soon. That, that lease is almost out. Don't forget about that. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. And God is very good at kicking Satan in the teeth. You know, and that blue moon, I really believe it, it is what you just said, Simeon. God's saying, I am one. I am the one true God. Satan, you took this holiday and you perverted it, but it's mine, and I'm taking it back. Yeah, I'm taking it back. So, prayer and fasting. You know, I really encourage that. That's that's the way it was celebrated. It was celebrated to commemorate the martyrs uh, by the early Catholic Church and All Saints Day. So, remember that. Hey, if anybody out there has any questions about anything that we talked about, I know that was a deep dive jump. <laughs> I've got like moons spinning around my head right now. Dan, you've been mooned. <laughs> another thought. When Paul came across, I forget who he came across who was possessed by the demon, and the disciples asked, no, it was Jesus. And they asked Jesus why they couldn't cast the demon out in his name, and he said, this one only comes out by prayer and fasting. So if it's a spirit we're dealing with of fascism throughout the country, wouldn't the answer be the same and be appropriate to this situation? That verse has always perplexed yeah. me, Simeon, because I couldn't tell whether or not it's talking about this kind goeth out, whether it's talking about faith or whether it's talking about the demon. And I've asked people that were theologically trained, I was like, is that scripture? If you look at it and do a deep dive on it, it's not exactly really easy to tell, which is it talking about the faith going out? Or is it talking about the demon spirit actually going out? That's a good and, question. Uh, yeah, it's, that's a good point. And uh, I don't think prayer and fasting would hurt. <laughs> no, not at all. I really believe that is what God is calling us to do right now. If we humble ourselves before the Lord and seek his face and repent of our wicked ways, he will heal our land. And we talked about that with the patterns edition that we did, the patterns in the divine intercession, that if we did humble ourselves, maybe God preadventure would give us a little bit more time. You looked at me when you said wicked ways. I don't know if I oh. feel I don't know if I feel comfortable with this. <laughs> Put putting you on the spot there, brother. 
But yeah, if you have any questions about anything that we talked about today, reach out to us at lithoscry, L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y at gmail.com. Check out our website at lithoscry.com. Hey, I want to thank all of our YouTube viewers that we have. And I know that Steven over there, who's who's engineering this train today, the man, the man, he would want me to say, hey, if you're watching us in YouTube, please subscribe and follow us on, on YouTube. And I think the subscription button is somewhere down underneath us. Is that where it is, Steven? Is un- underneath us? Okay. So that's where it's at for us is a subscription button. And hey, share this with everybody that you would like to hear uh, what God may be doing at this at this time. And that's the biggest way that you can support us right now. Check us out at lithoscry.com. And until next time, people, peace out and rock on. I'll be more careful. We're a jetpack. <laughs> I knew that was you. Lithoscry.com. <laughs>